0: We're guilty. Guilty as charged. We've talked about so many different technologies and care modalities here, from personalization and CRM intelligence to virtual health. But we haven't discussed the real star of the show, the folks that this is all for, the consumers and the patients. At HMPS, we sat down with Sue Jablonski, chief marketing officer for Ohio Health, to discuss how to put the patient at the center of the planning process. It's not just surveys and journey mapping sessions. It's processes like human-centered design and user-centered design that help hone in on what our consumers want and need. It's combining both the qualitative and the quantitative. And after the break, Sue will outline how they launched this in healthcare and what they learned along the way. Consumer experiences, major disruptors, and AI tech are shaping healthcare for years to come. On Hello Healthcare, we dive deep on these issues with leaders who are driving change. I'm Chris Hemphill, VP of Applied AI at Actium Health, and we hope that these stories will help you to create or demand a better future in healthcare. Hello Healthcare. We are so excited to be at HMPS on the floor, excited to have the opportunity to meet with people again and have these discussions. We wanted to share a bit of the conference with you, and some of the overarching themes that we've seen. A lot of the themes that you might hear about from HMPS are around transforming consumer experiences, transforming patient experiences with the context of the people that we're serving. And there's no better way to start focusing on that than this newer concepts around human-centered and user-centered planning and design. So to see that Sue Jablonski, who is a chief marketing officer and senior vice president at Ohio Health, to see that she was delivering a talk On this topic, user-centered planning and design and virtual health, we were really excited to be able to bring (laughs) her on. So, Susan, could you just share a little bit of background on your interest in that subject and uh, just background on you and how how you got here and and how you kind of discovered this this concept of user-centered planning and design?
1: Sure. So, at Ohio Health, as our marketing team has grown, I know when I started there 13 years ago, took that job, I had a one-person digital team. Now our digital team, I haven't counted it up, but it's probably 30 some because digital team also includes a big UX team, user experience. And so as we've grown the team and work to deliver products and services for our patients and for the organization, we know that we have to start with a different lens, not the internal lens, but the user lens. So it's really the start of how we get anything going before you even begin to visualize a product or a service.
0: Great. And a lot of people, I I know that there's, we've actually had a couple of talks on planning and things like Uh that. And I feel like with planning, it's a situation where a lot of people might think that they're they're doing it well, but might be missing some key elements. So when we say user-centered planning and design and the discovery path towards that, what's the difference between that and kind of
1: conventional or past ways of doing planning? So in the past, if we were gonna, let's just say virtual health, if we were gonna start virtual health, we would start by talking to our doctors what do you wanna do virtually with patients? You know What's important to you? And um, we flip that and we first start with the user, but then we bring everybody together. So like we have a slide in the talk that we're giving about this that shows, I don't know, 15, 16 different people in the room. There's a respiratory therapist, there's a patient, there's a physician, there's all kinds of different people because they're all users. But in healthcare, we have to start with the end user, which is the patient or the consumer.
0: Excellent. So th- that's really exciting. I uh-huh. love hearing about all the people in the room, uh-huh. including the patient who's, who's uh-huh. not always in that room. Right. Could you talk about like the discovery of this, th- this process and this idea to, to bring everybody together and, and start gathering their context?
1: We're in an age where you know everybody's talking about agile, you know, and there's design thinking and all those kind of things. And there's a specialty that's developed, which is user experience UX, is what we call it. And I know it's interesting. Our UX team, for example, um, one of my UX people is actually an industrial designer and I never would have hired an industrial designer 5 or 6 years ago but she comes at things very differently so and what we've realized is healthcare is so far behind in delivering products and services that really are designed to meet the needs because they've listened to the consumer mm-hmm. i mean think about retail and think about banking and even insurance and your ability to get your product you know i can be standing in the grocery store line and and buy some insurance right And healthcare hasn't been like that because we haven't been listening to our customers. We've been listening to what the doctors and the administrators, so the white coats and the suit coats have Mm -hmm. been driving what we did. We're turning the tide, it's really fun.
0: Great, yeah, I love the way that you're turning the tide. Mm -hmm. I love the way that a lot of this came from hiring somebody from an industrial design background. Yeah. So somebody with a different background yeah. in healthcare and then listening to the employee uh-huh. and like bubbling up a lot of the, uh-huh. the, uh, the initiatives outside of healthcare.
1: We do a lot. So I actually, I remember one time when I um, shadowed one of our UX people and we were dealing with an issue at the hospital on throughput in the emergency departments. So I spent, five hours with her in our busiest emergency department and just watched her observe and ask people questions. And and she's just listening. And then we went back to this kind of war room where other people, UX people were doing it in other of our hospitals and they were mapping and there were uh, post-it notes and journeys and friction points mm-hmm. and you know, how can we fix this? And so I just, the way they think is differently and it's really exciting.
0: I'd love to zoom in on, on one of these use cases. I know that you'll be talking about virtual health. Right. Would that be a good one to zoom in? Sure. I just kind of like, I like the concept of here's how our listening works and uh-huh. you, here's the, the process that we go through in journey mapping. Uh-huh. Can you talk uh, through us through that with the virtual health?
1: Yeah. So with virtual health, I give you the context that we had, luckily before COVID, we had been working on virtual health. So we had set it up a little bit, not a lot. We didn't, it was not scalable or anything like that. And we set board goals at Ohio Health and we had a three-year board goal to get virtual health throughout all of our employed physician offices and in our specialty services and all of that. So we had three years. And then COVID hit. Mm -hmm. And so luckily we had already done some user sessions with like some patients in primary care and things like that. Like what would you consider doing virtually? We have been talking to physicians and things like that. So we just put it on fast forward like everybody else. And we tried to bring in research we had from other things because our three-year board goal got down and we were up and operating fully across many specialties in six weeks. So it goes to show that you can do it. So so we were up and we were able to use some of the, the insights that we had from previous, but once we were up, we kept iterating. We kept going back to the users. Now we couldn't do it in person because of COVID, but talking to our patients and what the experience was and you know how long were they waiting in the virtual waiting room? How could we, you know, do that? And so we would reach out to them rather than just looking at benchmarks in the industry. We wanted to create kind of our own benchmarks based on what our patients were telling us.
0: Great. So I love the concept of like, we're we're newly listening to patients and and crafting this experience. Were there insights that you guys got or tendencies, trends that you saw that you weren't expecting?
1: Oh, geez. There were uh, probably many (laughs) 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 because uh, we were moving so fast. So I'll tell you one that's been, it's not really, I guess it is an insight. We wrongly assumed that a lot of our elderly patients would be really hesitant about it mm-hmm. because it's technology, and they were all over it. They were all over it. And when we dug a little deeper and talked to them, some of the reasons were, they still just wanted to be able to connect. So the fact that they could have a connection with their doctor who they trusted and often we had to work them through sometimes on technical or they had somebody, you know, helping them. So that was really interesting. The other thing was how people were open to the dialogue. So it really had really had become a two-way street. So if the doctor was if had a rash or something, right, and you can only get see so much on that. So asking questions Mm -hmm. and going deeper, and so the patient ends up getting more involved in the care. They're less passive. Mm. They have to be more engaged when you're trying to connect virtually versus in person. So those are a couple of things that come to mind right away.
0: That's a really powerful evolution mm-hmm. in, in healthcare in general. Like we're coming from long ago when people would be diagnosed from something and not even be privy to the knowledge of what they're being diagnosed to. Now people are participating.
1: Yeah, it's interesting you say that too. Because back it was in 2011 when we re- had done a lot of work on our brand promise mm-hmm. at Ohio Health, and our brand promise—it's eight simple words. It took forever to get to, Good. but is a trusted partner in your best health. And we talk about that partnership and how it's evolved. So my parents did whatever the doctor said. You know, the doctor was king, queen, whatever my generation on the baby boomer, it was like, oh, I still have some questions. I have a little information. And then mm-hmm. the younger ones really want to be engaged. But like when it comes down to it, healthcare is the most personal thing that you have besides your money. Mm-hmm. And so I hope if you're my physician, that although I come in and I've Googled and I know what you want to do, I hope you're a little bit smarter, smarter than me and we'll <laughs> ask a few more questions. And so virtual health is allowing that partnership Mm -hmm. in a whole different way and i think that helps to build trust
0: fantastic yeah honestly when you said a trusted partner in your best health Uh partner was the word that i cute yeah
1: right yeah right it's so important i mean i just if i'm going to talk to my doctor i'm going to share things with my physician that i may not even share with my spouse right Mm -hmm. so you've got to have that trust and i really want it to be a partnership because this is my body you know, I'm not just a rash on the arm or a sinus infection. I'm a real person.
0: Hello Healthcare is brought to you by Actium Health. Healthcare leaders use Actium CRM Intelligence to activate patients and drive meaningful engagement. You can make it simple to identify and predict patient needs by using AI-driven next best actions. Learn more at ActiumHealth.com. And now back to the show. Here's something that, that comes to question, because when like you were talking about the way that healthcare was delivered in the past mm-hmm. versus like how we're viewing, we're going from dictatorship to partnership. There's probably going to be some resistance, like even with the insights that you gather, did you ever find that there might've been resistance to like some of the data that, that happened? And just curious about how, like working through layers of organizational resistance.
1: Yeah so when you're talking about this you're talking about change management right and we have habits and we all have different prejudices. So there was prior to covid a lot of resistance on the physicians side of it. I have to see you in I have to see somebody in person you know it's just not going to work not. all those kind of things. They all when covid hit like we all had the mandate right how do we stay connected so they're more open to it. Here's what's interesting now. So and this is the change management behavior thing. So We're past COVID, although we're in a COVID surge now, but we are also um, seeing patients in the office. And we want to promote virtual visits. So we're doing all we can on the marketing end. We're doing the digital campaigns. We're doing the blogs, the emails, all that kind of stuff. We have found some practices that when you call for an appointment and they should offer, do you want it to be in person? Do you want it to be virtual? They sometimes don't offer it or they don't encourage it. And what we've been finding is this fascinating insight. And the UX people found this as they went to offices to see what was working. It wasn't. There's a fear by some of the office staff that if everything goes to virtual, they'll lose their jobs to be replaced by, you know, you don't need as many people in the office to do things or to schedule. And so that's been an interesting insight. I think that we wouldn't have gotten if the UX team wasn't going to the offices, observing and saying to people, why did you not offer a virtual visit to that patient? And as you talk and build trust, mm-hmm. then things come out.
0: No doubt. And without that, our response to people not scheduling virtual visits would be well, here are the benefits. And it would be missing the deeper point of why there was right. some resistance. There.
1: I think it's human nature. We say, you know, the office staff are saying, what's in it for me? Mm-hmm. You know, I want bodies in the office. I want to, you know, shepherd them back or maybe I want that human touch. You know, and then let's give uh, the other reality is uh, that all of healthcare is working with right now in virtual visits is what's the insurance company going to pay for? And so the doctors are looking at their RVUs and, you know, how many RVUs they have to generate and it's different for an in-person visit than a virtual visit.
0: So we've gone over the genesis of it, like uh-huh. how you discover the process and things like that. And then that virtual health use case I'm curious how patients have been responding and whether or not you see like this virtual health landscape as the long-term future.
1: It's absolutely the future. I mean, I think it's even more so. And the challenge too for us as a health system is that our competition used to be down the street, the other two major adult systems in Columbus and every other health system. You know, We compete against health systems, but there are disruptors left and right. And they used to be nipping at our heels, and Mm -hmm. now they're chomping. So when you talk about virtual health, there's Teladoc, there's Amwell, there's all these out there. They're advertising and marketing to patients in Columbus that wherever they're located, they've got doctors in California and Idaho and everywhere, and people are doing it. It was interesting, I have... A millennial friend who never goes to the doctor, never ever, ever goes to the doctor. And he You're not was, talking about me, are you? No, I'm not talking about you. I said, but that is you, right? You're right. You're you're in that category. So he was interesting. So he never goes to the doctor, and I was talking to him, and he said he had strep throat and he was taking medicine. And I said, Oh my gosh, you actually went to a doctor? I mean, because you know, you gotta do that. He goes, Well, no, I did a virtual visit. I said, Who'd you do it with? And it was one of the it wasn't a health system in town. I said, No. I think when I've had strep throat, they've had to like stick something down my throat and swab it. He said, no, I just, you know, I did a flashlight and they looked at it and stuff like that. And they called me in a prescription. And I, so part of me is thinking, is that good medicine, hmm. uh, right? But this is somebody who wouldn't have gone to the doctor and he got medicine. But like, I need to dig deeper with him to say, all right, why didn't you go to Ohio Health? You know, my guess, I don't think he has a doctor. Mm-hmm. So this was easy. He could get online and do it and do it at any time he wanted. But those, that's the competition we have out there. It's not going to change, especially with this younger generation. They want simple, affordable, accessible care when they want it, where they want it, how they want it. And that's usually a phone.
0: I love hearing the, like, the nature of that story uh-huh. of using this user-centered planning design, of asking uh-huh. questions of our consumers, because like one of the opportunities that these disruptors see is mm-hmm. that uh, a lot of these organizations, like especially if we bubbled up to like the bigger tech companies and retail companies, uh-huh. They're really good at that, that uh, consumer experience.
1: They are so good. <laughs> I mean, retail, I mean, you know, everybody goes to the same example, but it's because it's so good. Amazon and Amazon mm-hmm. Prime, right? Who doesn't have a Prime account and they're always feeding things up. You know, you like this, you might like that. And so they're listening. And so, but all the technology and the algorithms. So how could we do that? But if we know that you're a runner, and you know, you've seen a doctor because you know your knee hurt or something. Well, what else can we not feed up to you necessarily for care, mm-hmm. but other services or knowledge? You just want knowledge because healthcare is all about building that trust, like we talked about a couple minutes ago. And so if we can get some stickiness with you, but we have to meet you where you are instead of asking you to meet us where right. we are.
0: Well, the picture that you're painting is all about context. So yeah. the context that you ask for, the context that you yes. observe through data points, it's all of the above with, mm-hmm. with that Amazon type
1: experience. And it's really about observing. So you've got to use your eyes. you, you got to use your ears. You've got to listen. Mm-hmm. you got to use your mind and ask questions more than anything. You have to be curious. But we have to remember why we're doing this. And we're doing this to better take care of people. We're not doing it. Yes, there's a business case that we have to have. Mm-hmm. But one thing that's wonderful that's kept me in healthcare for so many years is that we're mission-oriented. We're about the people and making them better. And so you can't do that if you don't know them, understand them, listen to them.
0: Susan, I got to say, we love to see it. And okay. I really appreciate you coming in and sharing sure. the story around that. I love the transparency around it. And hey, there's going to be resistance to some of the insights oh, yeah. that you find. Yeah. And you have to act on it. Yeah. So for the folks that love to talk and want to get in touch with you, what's the best way people can reach out?
1: Probably the easiest would be LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. You can send me a message, um, Sue Jablonski at Ohio Health, And then my email though, if somebody wants said it's Susan, my formal name, mm-hmm. susan.jablonski <laughs> at OhioHealth.com.
0: Okay. Thank you again.
1: Thank you, Chris.
0: Thanks again for tuning into Hello Healthcare. If you like what you heard, we appreciate a review on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you're listening. You and your feedback fuel us. This conversation is brought to you by Actium Health. To get the latest on what these healthcare leaders are saying, subscribe to our newsletter on HelloHealthcare.com or join us for our weekly sessions on LinkedIn. Thanks, and when we see you next time, hello.